What if the key to a fair and just society lies in the interconnectedness of our inner and outer worlds? Welcome to Lenses of Liberation, the podcast where we unlock the secrets to a brighter future for all. I'm Rachel Snyder, and along with my co-host, Joanne Singh, we will embark on a transformative journey unraveling the vibrant tapestry of social change and weaving together diverse voices to create a world where no one is left behind. Join us as we engage with thought leaders, experts, and visionaries across a wide range of topics from diversity, equity, and inclusion to regenerative business, impact investing, healing, wellness, and so much more. Lenses of Liberation is more than a podcast. It's a movement of changemakers actively building a brighter future by reshaping the world one lens at a time. Prepare to immerse yourselves in a transformative voyage as we introduce two extraordinary guests who embody the essence of healing and conscious transformation. Meet Dre and Phoenix, the visionary souls behind the Ancestor Project, a powerful endeavor that integrates ancestral earth medicine wisdom into global conscious communities. Dre's profound healing journey spans over 15 years, where he embraces equity and inclusion as the pillars of his healing work. Guided by traditional Amazonian ways and rooted in the wisdom of the South American lineages, Dre's training with global indigenous masters has brought him to the core of transformative teachings. A beacon of spiritual awakening, he invites us to transcend ego-based consciousness and embrace profound evolution. Meanwhile, Phoenix emerges as an alchemist, a change agent and spiritual midwife dedicated to shifting societal paradigms. As a freedom doula, she wholeheartedly supports individuals and groups in birthing a new, empowered life of their own creation. Devoted to humanity's greater mission, Phoenix's journey spans community organizing, healing practices, ritual works, and a nurturing role as a devoted mother. Together, they illuminate the path towards radical self-transformation and living a life of ceremony. Join us for a soul-stirring episode where we explore profound topics from embracing collective evolution to shedding egocentric identities. We challenge materialism, celebrate spirituality beyond commodification, and envision a reality of abundance free from suffering. Let us ignite a transformative journey towards liberation, unity, and conscious evolution. Welcome to an episode that sparks the flame of change within you. Let's dive in. Hello, I'm Phoenix. I am the Director of Communications at the Ancestor Project. Um, and also an entrepreneur of the Cosmic Playground. I'm really grateful for this much needed conversation and for you all for seeking us out and the work that we do. That really is a labor of love and a passion project for all of the greater good of humanity. I'm a mother, a student, perpetual student of life, recently stepping into just this whole new stage of um, initiation in my life, walking into becoming a death doula, amongst other things as well. And so I'm just really thankful for this moment in time that is allowing all of these new gifts and allowing me more opportunities and ways to serve for the greater good. Okay. My name is Dre, and I am the other half of Ancestor Project. I uh, live in Piscataway, Lumbee Territory, 
and it's also known as Maryland, Baltimore. Um, and I'm excited for this opportunity to talk about our collective liberation. And it's my intention to allow the ancestors to do the talking and me to do the listening. What's your why? Like, you know, you mentioned Phoenix as the labor of love. There's, you're, you're, you, like you spoke to going through some changes in your life. And, you know, I suspect many people, you have many roles to play. Um, there must be a powerful why behind, you know, both of you taking the time and energy to create this work that you're doing. That's a really good question. And I think it's something that, you know, we as individuals need to do as like a regular practice, check in with ourselves and make sure when we're in alignment with what that why is every day, um, that we're coming home to that why every day um, so that it makes the intention and the focus of our work that much more um, powerful, right? The focus. My why has always been really freedom and liberation for all. I call myself a freedom doula. Like I coined that term like in 2020 because it was something that came to me um, after like my own struggle with depression, um, anything that you name it, suicidal ideations. I was going through it. <laughs> and ultimately my business formed as like my initial business, the Cosmic Playground formed as like a mission to help people get free from these like chains that we anchor ourselves to and our identities, right? Um, because what are we without all of these titles? <laughs> do do most people know who they are beyond the identities, beyond the labels, beyond um, what we have, what we own? Um, and so, pretty much, my whole thing is like, yeah, I want everybody to get free. I want I want to be free, and I want people to get free. What does that mean? I want people's minds to be liberated. I want their hearts. I want their spirits to be liberated so that they are able to be exactly as they are meant to live this life. Um, and that is with purpose. That is with conviction. That is with um, integrity and soulfulness. And so that is that is my why. I, I know that we're here. And again, collectively, to, to collectively heal. I think healing is necessary for that liberation as well. So I know that my work is never, I'm not taking responsibility for anyone else's healing. It's I'm just here to be a vessel to show people to what it is that they need to do to heal so that they can become free. So my why is to be a clear vessel to lead people to their freedom. <laughs> Dre, what's your why? Uh, what's my why? Well, um, my why, the reason that I exist this time around and chose to be part of this experience again is just be a little tiny helpful part, a hollow bone that is supporting our collective liberation. And what that simply means to me is that we have to be in right relationship with ourselves to fall in love with the name that we chose before our parents were born and then spread that love 
with every other being on this planet. That's my why. I'm here to be of service. And I am thankful that I'm not wise enough to figure this out. So I rely on our ancestors, spirit guides, and allies to really guide us through this purpose and a rite of passage into a new existence, a new experience. We're, we're in that time, um, but we have to be the creators of that experience. We can't keep pointing fingers at everyone else and um, making excuses. We have to in the change. How do you stay centered in, in your why and the remembrance of that? Like, you know, recognizing that we are having a human experience and can very easily get caught up in the finger pointing and the blaming and the frustration and um, feeling like people owe us or we're the victim. Like, it's it's just part of the experience. Um I'd love to just hear a bit more about what that practice looks like for you um, in, yeah, coming back to that and, and remaining centered as, as much as possible. Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean, you know, a couple of things come, come up for me, um, my also practice. Yeah. Um, in my ritual practice, right? And um, it, it started for, it starts with first um, a preparation process that is, a, a, the majority of that preparation process is self-reflection. Like a deep, honest look at yourself, all parts of the, your beautiful self, right? And how you are perpetuating your experience, right? And then there's a forgiveness and because uh, it's the gift you give to yourself. And then it's also, it's supporting the vibration of frequency of healing, right? And then with those new awarenesses, and then we have to integrate, right, to get to a place of ecstasy. So it's like death, rebirth, ecstasy, right? The integration process or preparation, ceremony, and integration. And the cycle continues in an, in, an, in an inward spiral, right? Deeper and deeper. Uh, it's, it's constantly reminding myself to be humble and that I don't know anything and neither do any of us, right? And it is also a wisdom that I cannot and will not do this alone. This being that is, is on this podcast with me, my counterpart is my anchor, right? Is that gives me the ability to expand, but also in my reflection, right? And I think it's like imperative that we stop telling the stories about I, 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 right? We are, we are meant to do this in community in concert with one another. This is the way we, this is where we're going to move forward. Imagine if the cells in your body saw themselves only as individuals and only work for their purpose and not work to co-create your flesh suit. You would just, you, you wouldn't be here, right? You wouldn't materialize, you'd disintegrate. So we, we have to learn these lessons that are above and below. It's right in front of our face, 
Right? But we just have to choose to tap into that truth and get away from materialism and get really into mentalism. That's what that's where that's the direction. And I can't emphasize how important it is to have like powerful surround yourself with powerful beings and so with community. Like I'm constantly nourished by this person. That's that's it's uh, you know that I'm looking at her in a in a screen, but I'm constantly nourished. I'm constantly pushed. I'm constantly um, encouraged to expand, right? And to see see that reflection. We need that. And I just want to add to thank you, Dre, because that's so important. And I think one thing, especially that I'm hearing again, I'm going to just echo what Dre mentioned, especially about all to practice having a practice. Um, that is a very good anchor for us, especially in the human experience, because again, we're human. We're never going to maintain a sense of like balance all the time. And I think having to, to believe that we always have to be in a state of balance and equilibrium is also like, (laughs) that's, that's not attainable. Right. Um, but I think one of the biggest things I know for me in this experience is also like dying into myself every day, like and all the time, often the willingness to be able to die into like, I know that I'm not going to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. (laughs) There are elements, but also I have to be willing to sacrifice those things that are no longer, um, suiting me. And that, whether that be narratives, stories, right. Stories that I've projected, about others, about myself, all of those things. And so being willing to sacrifice those stories um, about others and what I think I know (laughs) Um, and just allowing nature, life, spirit to show me what I need to know are really, really important. And I think especially the having community that is so incredibly we we don't do this alone (laughs) we don't do it alone and we do require the nurturance we do require like who we are is largely in part shaped by those around us right so make sure we're around good people (laughs) make sure we're fostering and in community with people who are reflective of those things who are accepting of those parts of ourselves that we are even um, sometimes terrified of, right? Um, So those for me have been my anchor, you know, community, loving community who like unconditionally accepts me, Um, but then also like being willing to die unto myself and into these narratives all the time. Yeah. Mm, Blessings. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I have a tool that um, might be helpful for folks. It's, it's one part of the yeah. process. There's a lot to it, right? But but one tool that you could use is if you have, everyone has a piece of paper, you can make a T-bar graph, right? And then draw a line down the center of that piece of paper. And then on the right, on the left-hand side, I want you to write down all the things that you know because someone has told you. Then on the right side, I want you to write all of the things that you know because you've actually experienced those things, right? And then I think you'll begin to get closer to the truth of your ignorance (laughs) and how full of shit we are. (laughs) So full of it. Oh, full of it. (laughs) I sometimes, like, I can 
deep dive into things and like go, I can be a person of extremes at times. And at the same time, I think I, I typically hit a point where I'm like, what if this is all wrong? <laughs> like, yes. and I'm like, what if this whole concept that I have like bought into and have formulated my entire life around is all wrong? And that's something I, I think about every once in a while where it's like, what if we just got this whole thing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but you're leaving bounds ahead of a lot of people, right? Like how many times have we been sold this formula that if you go to college, if you get married, if you have kids, it's literally going to be the formula to save your life. And that's going to be the ticket to, right? I mean, the American dream persisted for a reason. <laughs> a lot of people bought into this narrative, right? That shit is a lie. Like, oh, like it is, it does not, I mean, it's, that is not like large, by large, by large, like the key for our individual existence and also our collective existence. You know, um, our ancient societies did not survive off of like this radically, you know, rugged individualistic mentality that we've been sold, right? And how have we gotten divorced and away from these things, um, this institutional cultural knowledge because of these types of practices, right? So I think that you're on the right path to even be questioning whether or not, like, is this real? <laughs> um, or to check in periodically because it's not a lot of the time. You'll be surprised what you find, you know? Um, and especially when you know when it's not in alignment with yourself and and your purpose. So yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting is that you say that Phoenix. What I, what I was wondering, I was imagining that when people hear this, some people this idea scares the shit out of them, right? Because wait, if if we if if what if what if all this stuff is just constructs that we've created, right? If all this is really mentalism versus materialism, meaning materialism is like this thing exists and then I notice it I see it or versus mentalism which is I perceive these things and so because of that they exist right we are the creators when we speak the creative spirits that we are speaking not just to something outside of us we are speaking to ourselves we are the creators but what's interesting is I think that's the opposite reaction which you should have once you realize how responsible we are for creating our existence, our suffering and our joy, our rupture and our rapture, then you can be about creating something different. Otherwise, you're a victim. You're just going along and having to deal with the, these things. I was just talking to an elder, like 64-year-old human being, who was talking about our culture, elder culture, the culture, culture, as if they weren't partially responsible for creating the culture that we experience right now. You're a baby boomer. Right. And you are exact. So if the, if the, if the young people don't respect you, maybe it's because you're not respectable. Right. Maybe because you've been lying to yourself and to them for so long. We're all, we, this is our opportunity to create, right. And no one else is going to do this for us. We have to be the one. So yeah, thank you. Blessings. Something that's coming up for me as, as we're moving through this conversation um, knowing how aligned the four of us are with our pursuit of collective liberation and with a mindfulness of people who might tune in um, and feel the call to move through life differently, but 
don't have the faintest idea of where to begin, who might be thinking to themselves an altar practice. I don't like that's not for me. Maybe that's not accessible to me. Um, I don't even know who my ancestors might be. Uh, do you have guidance um, or a practice for people? And I think I've actually asked this question in the past and I've heard people say to me, oh, that's their journey. Um, and my feeling right now is that like to move towards collective liberation, we have to find a way to move collectively instead of pushing people to struggle on their own um, for the sake of struggling. And so, yeah, I wanted to open that space up for people who are listening who might have, you know, no clue where to begin that journey. <laughs> no, we, we look like we're here, right? Because um, this has come up a lot too, like in our integration circles, right? Like we had um, an integration circle called the bridge, which is really um, an attempt and also like a, to open up the conversation and intercultural conversation um, around, you know, plant earth medicines as well. And this has come up a lot too with a lot of white embodied people who were like, I don't, you know, does this apply to me? I'm like, everybody has ancestors, right? Like we all have ancestors, right? We can acknowledge that we all have ancestors. Um, but, you know, whether or not, you know, there's legacies that are difficult to, to reckon with, which I think makes people um, afraid to engage in these parts that could be scary, murky, um, or, you know, like incongruent with maybe who they recognize themselves to be now, right? But a ritual and an altar practice is really simple and it can start with just an elemental table. And because first you need to connect with yourself before you can connect with your ancestors, right? If you don't have a relationship with yourself, how are you gonna know like where transmissions are coming from? Like you must first connect with yourself. So the way I started a really simple tool and guidance um, that my ancestors, my um, elders provided me with was just provide a space where you have a bowl of water, candle. Um, I like to include all four elements. So I use incense or a feather, something that represents air. And then also like an earth element, a rock, a plant, something um, somewhere. And somewhere that you can center, hone, concentrate your energy and be silent and that you can go to, that you can designate for your time to be with yourself, to just sit, to just listen, to know what you sound like, to know what it commun what it feels like to commune with yourself and with spirit. Um, and that's a really good place to start. And then it can also unfold from that point on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's just really beautiful. I, I would say that I would encourage you to get a white candle. I'll be a little bit more specific yeah. in the type of candle. White candle, try not to use paraffin. It's poisonous. Get yourself a beeswax or a soy candle. Sometimes it's not accessible. Or make your own candle, right? Um, and then when you sit, as you're sitting to the altars, consider this idea that it is a ceremony, right? So smudge the space. Use some type of smudge in whatever your lineage is. It could be from rosemary to sage to kapal. So it's about your intention to bay leaves, to cinnamon. You know, it, it, you don't have to get too crazy with this, right? And clean that, clean your energy space and clean that altar. And maybe consider this is this is this the second thing you do each morning when you wake up. So you go to the bathroom, you poop and pee, right? 
and then sit at your altar and worship and honor yourself, right? Can get connected to that, to truth that the name that you chose before your parents were born. I think it's such a powerful tool in getting to this place. All the, Now, this is not a meditation practice either because meditation is about, you can do all that. You can do whatever you want at your altar. It's your altar, right? Uh, but don't get it confused with meditation. You, you, you light that candle, when you light that candle, you're offering, you're, you're asking your ancestor spirit guides to come in, to be supportive in your conversation. They want to be helpful, but they do want you to ask, right? They're not here to just, you know, to, to take, to take. They're here to like offer uh, and just support you in that, that way. It's a simple practice. Your body, your temple is there. Um, and I like to do it in a place where I feel comfortable being nude, right? To really, to really connect deeply with all aspects of self and not have and let go of any shame or fear around that, but really be open and present. I have a question about extraction and appropriation. So, and I'm going to specifically like narrow in on smudging and the uptake of like white sage being mm, used for smudging. And um, I think there's great intention in people sharing these practices. And I, what I see as a unintended consequence or, yeah, consequence of this, like, you know, mainstreaming of these practices is um, things becoming very surface level. And so it's like, the commodification of white sage and sort of like, oh, I'm just going to like smut and like, just like not like when you describe that practice, what I'm hearing is like a real slowing down, like a real connecting connection, intention to connect with yourself, with your ancestors, with your guides. And, um, a reverence. Like I feel the energy of like reverence when you share that practice and what I've witnessed and observed, whether it's in real life or in social media, right. Is like, Oh, I'm just going to get the bad, the bad vibes off. And I'm just going to like take some sage and like, you know, and so it's one of these things that like, I'm so for sharing. And I think there is sometimes a missing of, like a lack of reverence mm. and in particular like when we're using you know elements like white sage you know the recognition of how the commodification of that plant is impacting indigenous cultures in north america and you know how that could potentially affect their access to their sacred Plants. And so I'm curious to know, like, what your perspectives are on this and, like, really more like what should people be more, like, what could be helpful for people to hear in if they if they listen to this and like, oh, I don't actually like I utilize these tools, but I'm not utilizing it in this way. Like, just like what's what comes up for you as I share this and like, what do you think could be helpful Um in, in helping people build their awareness around yeah. 
around these practices and like what's also coming up for me is like oppression and how it's all interconnected right like i think these are really big big important questions and i think the fact again i think a lot of it it's it's because i think there's a lack of awareness of self and also disconnection to culture right there is no need for like, there are so many other ways that people can smudge and clear a space. You can use Florida water, you can use bells, you can use chimes, you can use incense, you can use, right? Like there are all other methods that you can use without having to use white sage. But what I think what happens is there's this definitely like there's this Disneyfication of spirituality that happens, right? Where people do do as they see. Um, and I think, that's what happens when people don't take ownership of like their lineage and they like want to cherry pick from other cultures. Right. Um, that's why the conversation of gatekeeping is really important and it's not trivial. There's a reason that these conversations are being had. Right. Um, like there's a reason why practices are closed. <laughs> there's a reason and people should respect that. But I constantly see people with this entitled attitude, like, well, this this is for everyone. Like, yes, it is. But there's a reason that this information is kept and guarded. That's so the mysteries that are like, like specific to this culture, this practice, this religion are preserved. Um, and so I think it is really important that people get really studied in themselves and that they get studied in their own lineage before cherry picking other people's cultures and just venturing and adopting their practices, right? Um, but plants, the plant, these, like the plant medicine world has been here for ages, which we've all utilized. Every culture has plants that they use. You can use laurel, you can use, you know, there's all kinds of other plants that are available to use, um, cloves, if people do a little bit of research, they can see these things that they can cleanse themselves. And I think what you mentioned about like the reverence aspect, that's a really, really big part of spirituality. And I know my practice is ritual and ceremony need to be more accessible to people. It doesn't need to be this grandiose thing. It's your intention that you bring to it, your intentionality. And our ancestors did not have these well, my ancestors didn't necessarily have all of these grandiose ceremonies every time because that makes it unattainable. We use what we had, <laughs> what is available and accessible to us, which is what all spirit, like which all spiritual lineages, they use what is available to them. We do not need to go out and buy more things because again, that's more consumerism, more materialism that we're buying into, right? We can use what we have and use it in a way that is directed for our highest good. So if there is intentionality and if there is um, reverence that is brought to your practice, that is what matters. It doesn't need to be this demonstrative thing for show for other people. Like, who are you doing this for? This is for yourself, for you building your relationship with spirit. And spirit recognizes the intention of your heart, right? And that is what's going to direct you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well said. Uh, well said. I, I, um, I mean, you really kind of hit all, all the points around intention. It's really about the intention, you know, and 
you know, this is kind of this this is tricky because uh, for a lot of reasons. The the first is I feel like man, I'm I, I'm gonna get so excited when we get to the point where the the predominant conversation around who we are is that are a species called Homo sapien, right? We live on this planet. Right. This is our this is our and we are all responsible and, and together as a, co- a collective. Right. And we also want to honorate uh, honor uh, others and their their practices and their ways. And, and, and ultimately, this is really not about a show. It's about intention. It's about getting the right relationship with these things. It's like asking permission. So for me, I'm just going to focus on the way my my elders tell me when they when this conversation appropriation comes up. Look. I want you to rattle, right? I want you to smudge, but I want you to do it with the right intention. I want you to do it with reverence and connection. I want you to ask for permission, first of all. I want you to ask from, from this sacred ally that's 65 million years old and say, hey, listen, is it okay for me to do that? And this is the reason why, right? And this goes back to this conversation about when people say, well, they need to find their way. Well, this is the, like, this would be, uh, antithetical of all the laws of the invisible world. There is a structure to everything, right? And there's a and there's chaos that exists in the world, but the polarity, the duality of those two things exist, right? And so we have to give our young folks a little bit of structure, a little bit of guidance, using all of the all of the lessons we learn from time immemorial and have expounded upon those lessons, right? Um, and it so so I, I just because there's this danger of people that like I really feel like this is a dangerous conversation that like oh you yet you know there's not there's no there is many different ways many rivers that get to the same sea but there's still rivers getting to that same sea right and so there is a little bit of structure and people are getting too comfortable with like oh let's people figure it out for itself it doesn't work that way none of us none of us have figured it out for ourselves we we were led there we we collided with another being and that being impact us in a way that brought us to this next stage. So stop living in this fantasy, right? Right. Um, and get into the reality of these laws that will, that will help move us and usher us into a place of peace, man. We got to stop playing games and pretending. We all know better. No, None of us can do this by ourselves. None of us have the, the ourselves. And also, I also want to talk about, I want to just say this one thing that's a little controversial. But first of all, we all have ancestors. And at one point, all of our ancestors were hunter-gatherers, and we all practiced some form of animism, right? And we saw a tree, and we said, who are you? And said, what are you? What can you do for me? This is like, this is not unique. To, so we don't need to romanticize people in North America or people in South America or people in Africa or people in, 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 in Europe. Like we, the, the, the Celtics, the Laplanders, the Lakota, the Druid, the Druids, the Maasai, right? uh, the Mafungo, the Mbuti, we, we, we practice these ways and traditions. And like if I lived in the mountains where if lighting a fire and sage wasn't going to work, I used a bell. I used a rattle, right? Because you can't light that. So, I, it, yeah, let's, let, I want us to move to this conversation more about like how do I get to a place of reverence and respect for all, all things around me. And part of it is that I stop seeing myself as this individual and it's about me. And that will come if we, we, we shift this narrative that what the young people are supposed to do is figure this out on its own. Like for all those who are bragging about, like I brought my grandmother 
to to the altar, that to me is really sad. That you that your grandmother should have been bringing you to the altar. We've got this thing twisted, right? And 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 now because of that, we're talking about things like harm reduction and appropriation. It wouldn't have been appropriative if we all were living in right relationship, right? We, we wouldn't even need this discussion. We could get back. So it's like we got to get back to these old ways of th of thinking and really challenge these narratives in our society that are not productive in our healing process. I think that's a big part of the reason why, like you said, why appropriation. If I think there, again, there's been a real, we've missed a lot of opportunities to have this knowledge and wisdom transmission um, through rites of passages, right? As modern society has evolved, we don't have these elders who are telling us like what to do <laughs> um, in these process, right? Like whenever someone is initiated, they are people who are wise who have been initiated in these ways for a long time. They're passing this information down, and that is not happening um, in in current society. That is why people are in this journey doing it alone. So I think if there was, again, if there were, if we got back to the systems of rites of passages where we're honoring the wisdoms that are like timeless and we're passing them on like in order as they should right um i think that these conversations people would know and have a respect for what elders are saying right i don't think it would be this battle of wills of like well why do i have to listen it would be culturally understood and accepted because everyone has been trained <laughs> um in this way right so um i think if there were again if we bring back the institutions of knowledge transmission that are more inclusive of, you know, elders, also of younger generation and this like intergenerational um, dependence that we have upon one another. I think that that would be um, the key to solving a lot of these problems that we're having, that we're seeing in the discourse today. Yeah, you, 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 Phoenix, you, you have the saying that is really beautiful about this, and and, and I, I'm gonna screw up the saying, but what what you say, what I love, is really beautiful. Is that one of the purposes of rite of passage is that you're witnessed by the entire community. Everyone's there. The younger, the younger there, the older there, the the divine feminine, the divine masculine, the in between, the the two spirits are all there witnessing you going from a place where I am part of the tribe. To now, I'm a person that is part of the tribe, as and I'm and, and as an individual, how I'm going to be co-create with the rest of the tribe, right? Right. In America, in America, in the West, it's like I'm an individual. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then at some point, after years of depression and trauma and all that type of stuff, you come to the altar and you and maybe you get a glimpse into your death and transcendence, right? But then you still th then you might think, uh, if you're a little narcissistic, oh, I'm a god. The only God, and everything's here for, here for me, or some cosmic battle between this and that. No, we, you, there was a, that's a law of cause and effect. What you see is a reflection of what we're putting out in the field. We come, they put out in the field all of this negativity and depression, and this is what we're receiving back, right? So we are responsible for that. I think this is going to be my theme in this conversation. We're responsible. <laughs> What's the word that's coming up for me? And, you know, what I think about are those that are in, like, leading the circles, right? And so I'll give you a very concrete example. 
of um, holding a retreat space. Mm. And you may have people who are coming into the space who have – this is a brand new conversation to them, right? And so and, – and, you know, what, what might happen is that person shows up and they see, you know – what clearing the space might look like and what meditation might look like and what connecting with your guys might look like. And they come away with like a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of knowledge of what that looks like. And then they go into their own lives and they take that tiny percentage of knowledge and apply it. And my, my, my position is that if you were in a leadership role, if you were the person or people who are facilitating that space, there's a responsibility to build greater awareness around what you are doing beyond just doing it. And there's a responsibility, especially if you are um, utilizing tools and practices from other people's lineages to express that. And to bring that level of reverence to that space such that when the people, including the person who just has been introduced to this brand new world, when they leave, they have at least some baseline understanding of the ancestry of the practice Mm -hmm. and are in a position which, you know, they understand there's some responsibility with them as they carry that forward. And this is like something that bugs me so much when I'm in a space. And I do think, again, it's this well-intention of like, you know, we're coming, we're going to share these practices together. But what I think is showing up is what Rachel spoke to, which was like, you know, well, that's their journey, right? And there's an erasure of your responsibility as a leader. And to me, if you are going to put yourself in a position of leadership, that comes with responsibility. And if you don't want to take that on that responsibility, you should not be in a leadership role. And that is just like my position Mm -hmm. on it. And that's not just in these spaces. Like that's my position in business or any company. Like Leadership comes with responsibility, period. Mm. I want to, I'm so glad I'm, I was trying to figure out how to, to weave our way into this topic because I know it's something that you and I are deeply passionate about. And I will, you know, Joanne is the more diplomatic of the two of us. Um, (laughs) I will say like, I think Phoenix, you mentioned earlier um, about like having the hard conversations and just like laying things out on the table and, and to honor that, like for me, um, some of the pieces of that puzzle that Joanne is speaking to, you know, she and I met at a retreat and we bonded coming out of that retreat over this feeling of something here isn't right. And I want to name that. I feel it, it feels important for me to name and, and what's coming up for me right now, the name is emptiness and there is an emptiness. There is an emptiness when, when you come together in a space and you share mushroom medicine and you share ketamine and you share 
there's saging and there's talk of guides and archangels and, and all of these things happening, but the people that are sharing them don't actually have that reverence at all. They are u- utilizing it as yet another tool to create abundance in their life and to bring people on a journey that that is it's a funnel for their business. And what happens there is that instead of healing, there is a deeper sense of emptiness. And something that Joanne and I saw moving from that experience was a lot of darkness. And so it's not just a lack of reverence. It's not just a a disrespect for the culture. It's also harmful. And so there's a conversation there to be had. Well, thank you for that. I Thank you for for sharing your experience, giving the concreteness. Dre, we've been talking about this a lot, (laughs) a lot. Um, And I think that this is, this is what happens. This is what goes in the territory with like self appointment, right? Um, Not everybody's meant to be a leader, right? But right now, especially in the psychedelics field, it's the wild freaking West. Like anybody can take a certification class and be like, you know what? I'm a serve a circle. I'm ready. Like, like plant medicine and practice these practices, they are apprenticeships, right? Like this wisdom is something that was taught. Like you have to have, you first of all have to have permission to work with the medicine, right? You ha- it has to be a calling. Then you have to find a teacher and you have to be studied under a certain amount of time and tutelage before you can serve. You have to have a relationship like with the medicine itself, with experiences yourself, so that you know what you're like, you know, the people who you're serving will be experiencing, right? So there's all of these methods of of training and practice that are not in place that are also um creating uh this, like you said, this darkness, this emptiness, because there's there's not the training that's being backed up behind it um, to, to, to support the medicine, which is really, really dangerous because the medicine is healing, but there are teachings, there are practices that correspond. That is where the transmission is also. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really, I'm hot and I'm excited about this conversation because again, it really needs to be had. Um, but it is really, it's complex right now. It is really complex, um, especially in the Western world, because again, how do we institute these checks and balances, right? That are not necessarily stepping on people's toes and their autonomy, but that are also creating safe spaces, right? That are not money grabs. Because I've been to those ceremonies too, where I'm like, this is straight up a money grab and this doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel right. Um, and ultimately you're going to learn because the medicine has things to teach you. And I think that, um, that was your lesson and your takeaway. That's a beautiful takeaway to bring, um, for advocacy in this realm as well. Mm. It reminds me of something that we talked about, like when we first met where I think Dre, you mentioned like, you know, traditionally the sh- you live in the village with the shaman and the shaman's there with you before, during, after your ceremony and, you know, you're living in community that's come up so many times. And so there is a support system in place and elders in the community to support you. 
And I think the reality is that this is reemerging in our society, one that is highly individualistic, one that is capitalistic, where you need to have money to access a lot of these spaces. And the reality is it's attracting people who want support, who want community, and they go and they have these super deep experiences together in community and then they return back to their home where they may not have community that supports them. They might not even have a family that supports them. We don't know what their financial resources are. They may have spent all of their money to be able to go on that experience and they don't necessarily know how to access anything else beyond what they learned in that space. And so my question is like, how do we navigate that? Mm. You know, in the reality, in the reality of like, we still are in this ideal, like individualistic world. Money is an exchange that we are using is a tool that we're using to exchange energy Um, for right or for wrong. This is where we are. And I'm really curious to know, like, hypothetically, if, and I'm not saying this is your intention, but hypothetically, using an example, if Rachel and I were to go and want to hold a space together and invite people into it, it's going to cost money. And, you know, we would want to to create access for people. We want to do it in a loving, safe way and maintain community. And the reality is people may come from different parts of the country or the world to come be with us. Like, is there anything that you have learned from your experience that can build that bridge between how it works in traditional community and our modern day Western world? Yeah, blessings. Deep, dope question. Um, I, Phoenix will probably have way more to say on this than I will, but, uh, so I'll, I'll go first and kind of shoot my shot. Um, there is, and I'm sorry, that's a hockey term. I'm, I'm making just to, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a clarification of that. Um, so I, you know, I think everyone who is sitting with medicine is in a very, very privileged position in this country, right? Privileged. There are people in disconnected communities all over America, from the hoods to the trailer parks uh, that are suffering, like, big time. And, and, and like, they, you know, they're trying to get a meal tomorrow. They, they're not thinking about, like, elevating their consciousness and that because they don't, they don't have the means to do that right now. So, you're, so right, they, this is definitely... Uh, an experience of people in this country of a significant amount of privilege. I would say in the West of significant privilege. Um, and, 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 and also this, what happens, like you said, even if you, you do get there, you have these expanded states of experience and you have these new awarenesses. There's no, so there's very little support in integrating that, that or even getting prepared for, for, so, and if you think about, like, historically speaking, uh, shamanism, shamans have always moved around, right? They, they start in their area, and then they bump into another shaman, and they share their other medicines, and they expand. So there's always been this expansion. But what's significant about shamans is, is that shamans are not uh, pretending. It doesn't work very well. Like, if, you, if you're not actually doing the work, the constant self-reflection and sifting, 
um, you're going to cause harm to yourself and to the other folks that you've been. So this is not, this is, there's no joke in like what the, this path, right? And because we have this neat, unique culture here in America, right? With this, you know, with this interesting relationship to colonization and patriarchy and capitalism, uh, probably, you know, probably arguably the most brutal form of capitalism started here in America, right? With the type of slavery we, we uh, perpetrated here. Um, we need shamans here. We need, we need medicine people here that are trained here who understand your unique consciousness of an American, you know, ultra, ultra, you know, ultra materialized, lots of brainwashing, lots of suffering, depression, anxiety, all kinds of isms. Awareness is about things that in many places people are and can really do that in supporting them. So I think we're, we're now in that process of creating that. Now as to the economics and how do we support those people in those disconnected communities because in America, period, there's more aftercare required. When I'm, when I'm supporting someone who is uh, a Westerner, way more aftercare that I have to provide them because they, they, they got all this stuff. The, the ma major thing is when they come back home, they're like whispering it. They can't even talk to their family about it because it's not a family affair, right? It's like, oh, it's the black sheep, or the, the, the woke the woke individual who, who is doing this. So it's a lot of isolation and loneliness there. And then I, I feel like because of this, this awareness that we, you know, it's, it's rare to have communities this large that don't have like medicine people. Now I'm not talking about doctors, right? Because that medical model is, is, is like so broken. I'm talking about like people who are connected to spirit. Right. And, and not from a patriarchal perspective either, which also I just don't I'd also want to suggest that patriarchy and toxic masculinity and these oppressive forms don't exist in other communities. Right. There, there are definitely communities. There were many warring communities all over the world where people have, were, was just taking and stealing from each other as a way of, you know, amassing wealth and generations. So like with the, our species, I think, really started these behaviors right around the time we started like raising animals and and seeing them as property, and then it was a slippery slope to everything else as property, and scarcity was competition. So what, some of the things that we've done that have helped us, because like you said, it's expensive to lead a ceremony, and the people who are also doing these medicine practices were constantly in a state of expanding themselves, and constantly dying thousands of times putting themselves at risk in America. You can go to jail easily for, for doing all this stuff, although in most places it's probably not likely, but there still is that threat of you can lose, if you have any license, you can, lo you can lose all of those things and maybe those things are not valuable anyway. So I think we have to come up with ways as a community, as a society, begin to really, really um, see this again as a rite of passage, as like part of our culture, as something to move, move part. So then we support people in this culture, just like we do with water, right? No one asked, well, you still, I guess you do pay for it now. You got bottled water now because the stuff out of tap is not. But maybe if we be, we, we have to build a society, this is part of our, our medicine way. We offer like mutual ceremony funds and scholarship opportunities for folks. You know, when I do a retreat now, it's about $5,000 for a nine-day nine retreat. That's expensive, right? Who who the hell can, can, can and then, then the expectation for me is that if you sit at an altar, that you are beginning that, pra pra that practice of learning, 
right? Because no one's going to sit in ceremony with me and be like, oh, I'm here, I'm here for an experience. <laughs> Go to Disney World, right? <laughs> there's a way, there's a reason why we're doing this. There's a, there's a way to hide and there's a lineage to, to support that in a way. Um, so, all right, I'm going to drop the mic because I want you to pick it up and finish finish this home because I feel like I'm rambling in, in a thousand different directions on this. Not rambling at all. <laughs> um, not rambling at all. I'm just, I'm thinking about these things and I think the Ancestor Project has been really good about this. And I think one of the big parts of the education process has been the integration circles. Um, when we see the vast amount of people who have come just like with questions after journeys um, and the clarity that you have by the enhancement of other people's experience. Um, community is just essential. And I think in the Western society, I think that we need a masterclass in how to build those, right? Um, I, I don't think that there has been enough care that's been taken and what it takes to really consciously create communities that are safe for people to share. The Ancestor Project, like I said, I, I've come after, you know, it was co-founded already, but it was already established as a really safe place for people to just be naked with their experiences and to not have to perform or do or anything. But I know when I attended, I felt so enriched, even if I didn't contribute anything to the space, but just by the experience of others. And that's what I find is the most important. So as someone who is trying to collaborate and create spaces, it's important for folks to recognize where their shortcomings are and to call in the the support of other people who are more experienced in holding and cultivating these spaces, right? Um, if you're not strong about building community, we'll call in somebody who is um, and who knows what considerations would be needed um, to address those blind spots or those those spots that are um, that could have been easily overlooked. Yeah, but I think it's important for folks to sacrifice and you know, drop the ego when it comes to these spaces. You're not going to, when you come from these transformative experiences, it's, it's, there's, it's a great fallacy to assume that you would know everything to create like the next circle. <laughs> right. Mm. So being able to, right. So like being able to recognize like, okay, this is what my strengths are. How can I put out the call and be in community with other people who can help um, supplement those areas that maybe I'm weaker in? Um, and that is how we create more inclusive spaces, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is like vibration and rhythm, right? Again, can't do this by ourselves. We need, we need collaboration, right? And that's probably one of our most challenging parts of this experience. Right, because to get people like to collaborate, it's everyone is rushing to look at me. It's it's like we are so like they got us with Instagram. Look at me, look at me. Look, nobody wants to be in a tribe and create together. It's like I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, which is is it which which boils down to materialism, 
right? So then now it's like, I got to get a certificate so that I can make some money and doing this. We, we got to, we, you know, I'm, I'm about to get in trouble, but I'm, I'm going to say like, we're about to go to maps conference. Now maps, maps, it, um, is an amazing organization, but this huge conference, 10,000 people are going to come to this conference and the majority of the topics are talking about like business, right? They got a whole business track or how to, how to get a certificate so that you can get a job working for a business. And very little deference to like, this is a rite of passage that the reason why we're doing this is not because of what psychologists perceive to be the, the, the reality for, for human, human beings that everyone has something to say. There's really good tools. But right now what you see is that the people who are the predominant voices around these conversations are not people who are practicing shamanic practices or have lineage to back them up. It's like someone who got a degree in something else. Now we're talking about expanding the states of consciousness, which is not your expertise. And you haven't expanded your state of consciousness now, but how somehow you're going to take the lead on a conversation around this. This would not make any sense in any other, any other reality except for the one we live in. And then you see everyone just falling right in line. They're like, yeah, 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 but I got to make that money. So like, I'm a, you know, it, like everybody's excited about all the parties they're going to do down there. Great. It's good to have a party, but uh, 10,000 people. Couldn't we also like in that conference, like, like commit to a solution to create, to eliminate one of the oppressions that are existing, right? All 10,000 people are all excited by expanding states of consciousness. And we still got all this, uh, all this stuff happening, right? But you all so focused on making some money, getting a certificate, justifying yourself by some, somebody else's perspective, except for the, but the invisible world where our power really comes from that, whatever. We all seen it. Every time we expand our state, we're like, oh shit, wait, there is something out there greater than that. We, we, we all know the laws, but some of us are using those laws in, in, in order to mass power. The thing is, it is true about these symbols. They, they just like water, uh, accepts whatever vibration or frequency is in the field, right? So if you give it hate, it, it, it expands that state of consciousness. If you give it love, it expands that state of consciousness. These laws are there, but what they're doing is using these again to support some folks having so much and the rest of us having so little. When are you going to stop this foolishness? And everyone is running like a self-licking ice cream cone to follow the same path again. Again. When you talk about harm, it's so interesting about like the underground. and that, So one of the things that's real popular is like we talk about, someone will use the term underground, right? And then they'll talk about harm. And it's usually someone who has like some experience uh, or some education from a psychoanalytic point of view, right? You mean the same industry that for, for 50 years, they're still electrocuting people? We, still, we pathologize people, people and their behaviors, so the insurance companies, the, the, the highest rate of anxiety and depression. Why do you think you have anything to say about this? Shouldn't you be stepping back and kind of listening to all these humans all over the world who've been practicing these ways and bring it, and then bring that technology here? Because what we're doing now ain't worked. Not even close. Right? We always want to get molecules. We want to create molecules so you don't have to purge. We want to get a non-purging ayahuasca. 
Like we just practicing the, the same craziness all over. What are you that doing? Yeah, you know what yeah. doing. And, yeah. and like ten thousand of 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 us are gonna be at this conference. All of them can't wait to get on Instagram, and I, they'll be spending time taking pictures and videos and put on Instagram to to validate themselves, validate themselves, right? So they can establish themselves as, as some part of this new conversation, right? We saw this in cannabis. We just did this in cannabis, folks, right? Just did this in cannabis. Okay, we had the, the, the I was at the MJ BizCon. 10,000 people, nothing but boost, and everybody wants to sell something, right? And, and it's not even about cannabis. It's about the commodity of this thing. We're doing the same shit here. Be careful, right? And now you're going from one master plant to all the other master, master plants, right? This, this, this is going to blow up in your face. So if you really are down, Right. So I'm not talking to the folks, the folks who benefit the most from this, because you're going to do it. it, it wor it's working for you. What I'm talking to is the rest of us. If you go to these places and you act the same, you will receive the same results. Right. And I think that's a big part of what we're seeing with the retreat culture. Right. Again, it's like, OK, again, if you're not talking about preparation, what is, what's the difference of making this just another circle jerk experience for you to just enjoy yourself as a vacation? What's the point? Like, you know, like I'm, I'm in grad school and we've been talking about the transformative economy. And that has always been the question that has been in my mind. Okay. Transformation only lasts for so long. It's an experience. It's a matter of like, how has your heart and your spirit been changed? so that you can go out into the world with these teachings and these lessons and make a difference in the lives of others. Are people coming to these retreats and these experiences with that in mind? Or is it just like, I need to go away and I'm gonna take care of myself. Like, I hope that that would be the seed that starts it, but that there would be another, like, another gear that would shift in the process, right? Toward transformation. Um, rather than just being something, because again, that's, that's this taking atmosphere of like, what can I take? What can I, it's this taker, you know, like dynamic. What can I take from this land, from these people, from this medicine? Where is ever the conversation about what am I giving back? What am I contributing to the rest of greater society, this knowledge and this journey that I went on? And I think if people were much more conscious about um, again, that in their preparation process when they're going to have these transformational retreats, um, that would be really helpful, I think, in solving a lot of these these these, um, these problems and answering these questions that we're having today. So, don't wait for the robots and the artificial intelligence devices, right, to put you in a situation where you have no choice to figure this out and see yourself as a species. Right, that if one of us bleed, all of us bleed. Don't wait. Okay, figure this out now. Right. But the good thing is, is that our ancestors have already prophesied this, and it's happening, whether we like it or not. Right. So just be excited and happy about your change. At the end of the day, everyone who's listening, what are you going to do about it? You know, you you lied enough for your pockets, right? 
if you think if, if the re if you if your rationale for ha for for ma amassing so much because you need to keep it just in case something goes wrong, right? To make take then then you need to question that and consider could you also create a reality where there's a there's abundance for everyone that you know like suffering doesn't have to that uh, intentional suffering doesn't have to be part of our existence. It's your species, man. Your species, right? Don't 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 we ultimately all want to be free, happy, and and, and love and love with ourselves? Like it's this is not that hard. Stop being so afraid. But not it's it's I get it, you know. But with compassion, I also get it because if you think about our experience, you know, I don't know seventy a little bit a while ago, past seventy thousand years ago, when you know you were on a plane. And, and uh, there were like half 50 percent of the species were eating us at night. I know where that fear comes from. Again, it was it was really scary in the dark before we had any a relationship with fire. For sure, I get it. But you know, if you talk about epigenetic trauma, you still we still reliving that. So have some compassion for us. But like once we understand why we behave in this way, now we have the ability to make changes. So I don't want to just shame folks into change. I also want them to be aware. Like yeah, there was. Many of the decisions we made in us as species in terms of survival got us to this point. Now the excitement is that we can evolve past this point, and we're not afraid of the dark anymore. At least we don't have to be, all right. And we can be more loving with each other. We don't have to worry about scarcity. This we we do a pretty damn good job surviving as a species. We're all over the damn places, place right, and we're doing it. So now we can just be kinder, loving to everything. Be stewards, supporters, supportive parts of the process. Something that was said, the word safe space, words safe space were used a few times. <clears throat> and I have, we've had so many recent conversations around this. And, you know, I heard once, it was actually in a leadership meeting at a place where I worked where we talked about, you know, this is a safe space for us as executives to come together. And someone said, and the recognition of this is not a safe space just because you call it a safe space. Mm. And this is something that has come up. I've noticed and observed. And one of the communities that I am part of when I am in Toronto, um, one of the leaders said something like this recognition of the intention of creating a safer space and then acknowledging her limitations in doing that because of the body that she lives in and certain aspects of her identity. And I feel like this is the, the missing part of the equation is like, and it ties into the, what you talked about, like building community, recognizing you talked about recognizing your strengths, but I also think like, you know, as much as possible, understanding what you don't know and what you will may never have experience with. And, you know, like I think about spaces I'm a part of, like even in the business world, right? Or just all kinds of variety of spaces. And I can energetically feel when there has been great intention in cultivating inclusiveness and when there hasn't been. And there, because there's something about my nervous system that shifts. And I truly feel I can relax 
versus entering into certain spaces where I still feel like my back is up against the wall. And I will say I experienced this in a number of the more spiritual spaces that I go to, which are dominated by white people, that like I feel an element of performative that come performance that comes from me. Like I'm supposed to perform in a certain way. And it's not like a conscious thought process for me. It's how relaxed my body feels. And when I feel like I truly cannot relax into that space or I have to work to relax, something is off. And this is like the dialogue that Rachel and I literally had for at this point, six months about, you know, our experience, my experience, and, you know, coming back to what we were talking about, like drawing from wisdom from different people's lineages, like my, for some more perspective, like my, I was born in Guyana. My family has been directly impacted by colonization. We've lost our language. I was raised a Christian and I don't actually have a relationship with like the Hindu deities. But I have a lot of family that are Hindu and I've been to prayers and so forth, like growing up, still do have a lot of friends that are are Indian, East Indian. And so when I enter into a space that is dominated by white people and they start talking about Shiva and Kali, there is a part of me that is like, what is happening right now? I'm like, how are you going to talk to me about this? And, you know, some of that is, is I've learned others um, from my journey in the last year, specifically, I have been releasing anger that is not mine. I've been releasing my ancestors anger. It's been coming through me. There's been a lot of like stuff around just like the harm that was created with my ancestors being laborers and the violence that they've experienced and how that violence is perpetuated in our culture um, and still very much visible through, you know, record numbers of sexual violence, domestic violence, and so forth in our community. And so there's, I'm aware that there's part of me that is still healing that trauma. And there is something to be said around like, you know, as someone who's leading that space, like what work did you do to like did you ask yourself is this a safe space for someone who's coming from that lineage like did you have that conversation Mm -hmm. and i recognize that that person may not have the experience to be able to answer that question but surely they know someone and i think about like if i was to be in that position you know i think about other identities like if i wanted to create a space that is inclusive for trans people, well, I'm going to have to go ask some questions, right? <laughs> like, I'm not the person. Like, I can, I can come with the best of intentions, but I don't know because I am not living that experience. And so I think there's, like, it's not just saying this is a safe space or declaring it. It's doing the work. Mm. And normally you may not get it perfect, but I feel, I, like I said, I feel, Feel when people have put in the effort. It feels different. Mm. I think that's a very collective experience. I, I, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but Joanne, yeah. like I've had that experience, still do, like in, in my medicine journey where it comes up where I'm like, 
clearly I'm black and I feel like people expect me to be doing some, you know, like some like ritual. Like I know they're looking to me to perform and I always feel it. I think it is so important because again, I think I've I've had to get over my anger because the fury of my ancestors definitely comes up like how fucking dare you like I and I like and it's like it's like I hate that it's so much it's also been so much a part of my journey too like I'm like I'm so sick of this being what is always coming through like I'm so tired of this like every time I'm sitting in medicine spaces with white people like this is automatically something I always have to deal with you know um and so but I I also I had to realize that I had to give grace because some of it is my own. I know it's my own shit. Like I know it's my stuff. Like you know, there like there's a, a lot of the time where I'm like, I'm not gonna perform. And it's like, but spirit is trying to come through here and I'm resisting. And it's like that is damaging my feeling and what I came for. You know? So like how how much longer can I continue to let the outside perspective of who I'm supposed to be impact my healing, right? Um, so that was like a big lesson in and of itself where it's like, you know, I got to get over that. And, um, but there is, I, I definitely understand though, about just being, you know, a BIPOC identified person in these spaces. Like there is, again, I see, I see Kali Ganesha, Yamaya, all of these things in one ceremony at times. So, so I, I get it. <laughs> um, but I, I do think what has helped me to relax into some of these things, again, I recognize, like, what am I here for? Fuck all these other people, like, temporarily. You know what I mean? Not really, but, like, in the moment, like, but I'm here for, like, what I came here to get, right? And, again, ancestral healing and lineage healing is always what I know I'm coming for. I'm here to, um, to connect to speak, to hear them speak through me. And then that that's, a, that's always been a part of my stuff. Um, but one thing that I have noticed ultimately too, is like, there's a, there's an aspect of trust. Like these people are all coming to medicine too. <laughs> They're all coming with their healing. So I am also going to assume best intentions also about them. Right. Um, and again, I think there is that understanding that there are limitations that they're not going to get just because they are white embodied. They can't possibly know what I'm feeling, what this pressure is. So give them a little grace, right? Because this is not their experience right now. I can tell them, I can share, but I, I can't, like, I think the fury of like, why don't they understand me? Like that, I cannot be projecting that either, right? Um and there we are all here in this medicine space to do some work. So I think that has been really healing for me is like, okay, well, I know what I can work on and I can assume best intentions. If somebody violates me, best believe I'm gonna call that shit out. But until they do, and until they show that, like I think I can I can reserve and I can also offer grace. But I definitely think that um in the medicine spaces that I have been in, thankfully, they have been mostly good experiences. And if they haven't been with the appropriation and things like that, I have found some um, rectifying that has been done, but it's usually, it's been because of like my own inner perceptions. 
um, of things. Because first of all, I know that I've learned things from cultures outside of my own, like that have helped me to have a global perspective, right? And me sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony, like is, right? Like I am so privileged to be able to sit in those spaces. That's not my tradition. But at the same time, I have to know that, okay, I'm coming with honor and veneration and respect. I'm not trying to claim this as my own. And I'm not trying to claim like this knowledge, like, like I'm superior or I'm not above anybody in this space. So I think if we come with our own inner awareness about where we, where we're at, <laughs> um, and then have respect for other people to grow in these spaces, I think that that can ease a lot of the the tensions that we feel um, in these spaces as well, but also give us the courage to speak out too. Because I do think that these spaces, when I have said things, people have been the most receptive um, when I've had courage to speak it out. Because I do, I think it's a blind spot that folks just don't have. And I, I don't mean to be ableist in my terminology. So forgive me if that's the way it's coming out, I'm not intending that. But I think... I think a lot of the time, just being able to have respect for people that they are, we're all on our journey and we're all here to learn, heal and grow, but we have to have the courage to also speak about what these things are to make people aware of where we're coming from too. You've been listening to the Lenses of Liberation podcast. We are your hosts, Rachel Snyder and Joanne Singh. We hope this conversation has provided you with new insights and inspired actions to create a just and equitable world. It's a joy to be along this journey with you. See you in the next episode.